You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. What is up, Goat Flippers? It is your host, Lurk. Thanks for checking out this episode of Lamb Goat's Van Flip Podcast, the number one and best hardcore metal podcast on all of the internet. On this episode of the podcast, I am joined by Kahan and Shibby of the band Yautja. Just this last May, the Nashville three-piece released their second full-length album on Relapse Records. You can check out The Lurch on any streaming site or the band's Bandcamp. But before we get into the episode, make sure you visit lambgoat.com for everything hardcore and metal related. Follow us on social media. Give us a like on Facebook, and you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Lambgoat. Head over to the Lambgoat YouTube page, and you can find all of these podcasts in video format, plus other Lambgoat bonus content that we have on the website, or post in general. Make sure you hit that subscribe and the alert bell so you're always notified when new episodes or content is uploaded. Whether this is your first time checking out the show or you are a returning listener, if you dig the content we're doing here on the Van Flip, please take the two seconds it takes out of your day to give us a follow or subscribe on whatever platform you're listening to us on. If you have the option to rate and review us, we would greatly appreciate it if you took the time out of your busy day to also do that. It greatly helps us out. And if you really enjoy the show, just go ahead and share us on your social media and give us a tag. And if you want to follow me, Lurk, the host of the show, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Lurk City. That's L-U-R-K-C-I-T-Y. All right, let's kick it and get into the show. You can find all of Yautja's band links and all of our links within the show description. So if you're interested, go ahead and check those out. So let's roll into the episode. So. Oh yeah, what's this? I feel this. Oh yeah, this is good stuff. Oh no. Oh no, no, no. Lamb Goat presents the Van Flip Podcast. What is up? Welcome to the Van Flip Podcast. This week I am joined by Yaucha, well, Kayon, uh, Kayon and Shibby of Yaucha. Welcome to the show, guys. How are you doing? What's up, man? Thanks for having us. No problem. Congratulations on your signing last year with Relapse. That was, uh, you know, kind of big. How did that come into, how, how did you guys snag that? How'd that work out? I mean. Um, we, people that worked at relapse have come to our shows and stuff like over the years. And there's been little talks here and there about like, Hey, we like your, your band and we like what you guys are doing. If, you know, if you ever had any interest in something, maybe we could put something out together or work together. Um, and then, you know, we, we finished our record uh, at the beginning of last year without having a label or knowing who was going to put it out. Um, so I kind of just reached out to them and was like, hey, is there still any interest in this? We've got a record and no home for it right now. And, you know, it kind of just went from there. That's awesome. Yeah, I was going to ask if, like, you know, 
did you write the record after getting to relapse or prior to relapse? So that, that answers that question. But <clears throat> the record we're speaking about is The Lurch. So um, my main question was, why such the long gap between this one and your previous release in 2014? Um, I mean, it, we put out stuff in between that too. Um, but I guess this is like our proper, our first proper full length mm-hmm. in a long time. Um, you know, we, we kind of toured incessantly uh, in between writing and recording stuff. Um, everyone had other musical projects that they were involved in. Uh, and then, you know, just like the real life stuff that comes up when you're in a touring band, but that's not like your main source of income or right. you know, we all have jobs and, you know, family stuff comes up. Um, I started a business, uh, that took up a bunch of time for me, um, but yeah, we've slowly been writing that record uh, in bits and pieces over the years. And then I guess like in the last year and a half, two years ago, we kind of were like, hey, let's not do a tour unless we get offered something awesome. And let's focus on finishing this record and get it out there. That's cool. That's cool. And we, should, we probably jumped the gun a little bit. Kayon, you, Kayon, you play bass. Shibby, you mm-hmm. play guitar. Yes. And you both do vocals. So Correct. Yeah, everyone in the band does vocals. Yeah, cuz it's only 3 of you guys and you make a lot of noise. <laughs> yes, we try to try to create a lot of sound for 3 individuals. Yeah, it doesn't sound like just 3 when you're listening to it. So, um I've listened to The Lurch quite a bit this last week and uh one thing I kind of noticed is it's it's a little different than your previous release. Although, again, you've had uh, some projects come out within the time frame of the last seven years, but what's the biggest difference in the writing of the two records? Um, Shibby, <laughs> you want to stab that one? Uh, uh, it was a l- slightly more collaborative. Um, a lot of the earlier stuff was very much just like me writing in my bedroom uh, and then just like showing semi-finished songs to everybody. Um, whereas this one, there were many, uh, lots of stuff that was very much like flushed out altogether instead of, uh, that kind of cheesy, here's a song kind of way. Um, so that was different and, uh, really nice by comparison. Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, like Shibby said, I think in the past it was more like, you know, Shibby would even like write a song and Shibby plays drums too. So like sometimes he would even like do a rough idea of what he thought the drums would sound like and then send us a demo. And it's like, okay, yeah, like this song is pretty much done. <laughs> um, but yeah, there was more, uh, all three of us fleshing out riffs and parts, um, I think the songs in general tend to be a little bit longer than uh, songs in our previous releases. Uh, there's less of like the shorter minute and a half to two minute bangers and more like longer seeming like metal songs, mm-hmm, I guess. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's a pretty natural evolution. Like uh, we didn't sit, set out to be like, okay, like this is going to be our metal record and like, 
every song has to be five minutes long or at least three and a half minutes long. Um, I think it was a pretty natural progression of our sound. And I don't think we sound too terribly different uh, from like our first LP, Mm -hmm. Uh, but it's just, you know, a natural evolution of us playing together for so many years and kind of knowing what someone's thinking with a riff or a drum part and being like, Hey, okay. Like I know how to compliment that now because we've been playing music together for so long. Yeah. I think, uh, and Tyler and I, uh, you could, you could say are disappointed that the songs are so long on the new record. Uh, we really wanted more short ones, but it just didn't happen. And yeah. why, why is that? <laughs> Cause long songs are dumb. You just, you just want the shorter, like kind of grindier more songs. Is that what you were looking for? It, yeah. It just it didn't happen. I, tried <laughs> yeah it's it's funny too because like we were just talking about like a set list because we're we're playing our first show you know in a year or first show in almost two years year and a half uh on august 6th and we were like hey what are we gonna play and now it's like less songs because the songs are a little bit longer so it's like hey we can play like a bunch of new songs and then we need to play you know at least like a song from every release we've done, but then it's like, okay, now we're sitting at like 45 minutes uh, to an hour. Never. So yeah, that's, I think that's kind of what Shibi means. It's like, he seems into the long sets, not into the long set. We, we didn't set out to write longer songs. It's just like, you know, you've got a riff or an idea or two, and then to complete it, the song ends up being like, five and a half to six minutes as opposed to two and a half to three minutes. I mean, it's only 10 minutes longer than your last LP. True. I did have, uh, a, you know, a positive review of the record where people were like, this is too long. Like, uh, towards the end of it, I got kind of tired and I don't know. It made me think about how, like, you know, unless you're like a doom or like, you know, like Funeral Doom or Sludge Band where people expect your songs to be eight to ten minutes long. I don't know. People have shorter attention spans, you know? Like, people want, like, that fucking TikTok, Instagram mindset of, like, this album's 45 minutes long? This song's five minutes long? Goddamn. Okay, I like it, but I'm going to listen to the next one. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That is a little bit these days. But, I mean... In your defense against Shibby, it doesn't seem like a long record. So, you know what I mean? I, I had to like, it's only, it's 46 minutes, but it doesn't seem like it because it is, it is uh, fast paced, you know? So, yeah. uh, it's, it, it is really good. I enjoyed Thanks. it. Uh, I enjoyed it a lot. And I think Colin, our reviewer, actually enjoyed it. Uh, Hell yeah. We just posted yeah, it seems the like uh, an review. An appropriate length for a full length album to me. Yeah, it is. And like, speaking of sound and like, you know, how kind of like you've evolved and matured in your sound. Uh, how would you describe to just like the casual metal fan or the casual scene person, like what, you know, Yaucha sounds like or what, what they could expect with this record? Um, Other than short songs against Shibby's wishes. It's, uh, we, we, we seem to get kind of lost in the, you know, the genre world. Um, I don't know. It's equal parts like death metal and hardcore and, punk and grind and there's like weird little like uh dissonant noise rock sounding parts um 
I don't know. It's just a good mixture of weird and aggressive music. Mm, um, yes, I agree. Like I, I think to the average person on the street who's like not versed in metal or whatever, I just tell them we're a metal band, you know, like, oh, I play in a metal band, like, you know, to like a customer at my work. They're like, oh, you play music, man? Like, what kind of music is it? I'm not going to be like, oh, it's like a um, death metal and grind meets like sludge and punk and this and that, because they're just going to be like, whatever what the fuck are you talking about? <clears throat> yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't know. That's like the, the, the normie on the street answer is like, we're a metal band, I yeah. guess. Noise rock would be an appropriate tag, except the rock part isn't really, you know, but I don't know if it's technically noise core either, but it is definitely some, there's some noise in there. And which that brings yeah. me back to like a previous thing that I said that there's just three of you and you guys make so much noise, but like, honestly, like, can you like, you know, uh, explain kind of like how you guys are able to just make so much noise as a group? Uh, I mean, Shibby's got a nice loop pedal that definitely helps. Uh, um, you know, Tyler's a pretty active drummer, I'd say, uh, a lot of that, uh, adds to the, the beefiness of it. And mm -hmm. like the, you know, there's a lot going on. There's layers, there's, you know, a looped rhythm guitar part, and then some dissonant lead type stuff over, the, over that, um, yeah, I think that helps create the illusion of a five-piece band or a four-piece band. So is a lot of that in like post or like not post, but in recording or or is that like kind of trend? Can you do that sound live as well? And do you have like the pre-banked uh, guitar parts or do you loop that stuff live? Uh, when you mentioned the looping, I, I really only do that in like one or two songs. So it's not like a... Uh, mm. Russian circles kind of thing where it's like, there's constantly something happening. Uh, uh, but I do do just little, little subtle things live, uh, with my amplifiers and stuff that sort of mimic, uh, the illusion of like a second guy or whatever, second person. Um, but yeah, there's not, that, there's not a whole lot of funny business going on. Not, not like, not like some bands do, you know, no, no tracks. Um, the two loops that I make or that happen at all in any song are made live every time. There's no like save thing. It'd be a hell of a lot easier if it was, but uh, yeah, there's, no, there's not a fat bank on his loop pedal. Mm. I think everything, I think everything is done like in the song or like, like right before we play, like he'll, he'll like, you know, do it, you know, not through his amplifier, but he'll do a quick loop of something or like a noise and then it'll be saved in there just for that. Right. Song. right. I guess and maybe then, it's yeah, more yeah. like a, the, maybe I'm trying to get at the tone and just like the, it just sounds so full. You know what I mean? Yeah. Is, I mean, is that something that's kind of approached in post and stuff like that? Or, or does that, no, kind of transcend I mean, into I, I think like, I think how our record sounds is pretty much how we'll sound live. Uh, you know, Shibby has put in a lot of time into working with his guitar and amps and pedals to, to get a, a sound that, that is pretty unique. Mm -hmm. um, and like you said, like he usually has a stereo guitar set up and he'll cut that on and off to kind of mimic two guitar players. 
Um, and then, you know, the base base is pretty simple. Like I try not to do anything too wacky or like have a super distorted or fuzzed out bass sound, uh, because there is a lot going on with the guitar and drums. Um, so yeah, it's not like hyper engineered, I'd say, but we do, it, it is pretty intentional, our sound, you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. like we, we want to sound like a, a loud, not loud band, but like have a big sound, I guess. Right. Right. And I guess all, all of you guys participating in the vocals adds to that too, with the many different sure. layers of, you know, frequency and stuff too. So yeah, I mean, it definitely comes across as, it doesn't sound like just three dudes, you know what I mean? It, de- it definitely sounds like a full band. So I mean, kudos to you on that as well. Um, how was like the recording process without like, you know, a label and everything like that? Were you able to kind of like achieve everything you wanted to? Like, did you get the proper funding or how did that go about, you know, getting into play? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think we were held back by anything. Um, we recorded at electrical audio in Chicago, which is like, I would say a bucket list thing for most of us for all of us in the band. Uh, and we, and it was engineered by Scott Evans, uh, a buddy of ours. He plays in Kowloon, Walled City. Uh, we talked with him about doing a record together for years, and it was cool to finally make that happen. Um, I, I do think there was, like, although we weren't on a label or weren't signed or anything, didn't know exactly who was going to put it out, I, I do think there was, like, something in our minds, like, Hey, let's like really focus on this and make sure that like this is the best thing we can make with the songs that we have right now. Uh, you know, because we did put in a lot of time and money, uh, you know, a lot of time writing and getting the songs down. And then I, we used some band money we had and, you know, threw <laughs> some of our own money uh, with the studio time and stuff. So it was like, you know, this, there is something on the line here. Uh, I think we were pretty, we're a band who like always gets in the studio and like has a last minute thing happening or like one song that's not necessarily completely done or figured out. Uh, and even like finishing up some vocal type stuff. Um, but I do know that like we wanted this to be a, a big thing uh, for us as a band personally. Um, but I don't think we were really held back by not being on a label while we were in the studio. Cool. And um, how long was the process of the recording for you guys in total? Um, what were we there for? Ten days, should be. Is that right? Yeah, I think so. And uh, we technically did not finish in that ten days. Uh, I blew my voice out, so I did like a song or two at home when when we got home after our voice got better what's what's happening his, his dog his is sick. Really- he explained it earlier oh we got a we got a dog we got a dog uh, hacking and coughing yeah. Uh, yeah i think i think me and shibby like kind of blew our voices out towards the end and then did a couple of vocal uh things at shibby studio which is in nashville um you know, just because that's not as important to like to have a big room and get big sounds mm-hmm. and vocals. Uh, so yeah, it was like roughly 10 to 12 days with finishing up the vocals and stuff. Um, we stayed at electrical audio. They have a little apartments there. Nice. Uh, that was really cool. And I think that 
helps contribute to like being in the recording session, like being not having to worry yeah. about like, you know, packing up and commuting to wherever you're staying and, you know, doing the same thing the next morning. It was just kind of like wake up, get coffee and then go and then go all day until, you know, everyone's burnt out and then just unwind there at the studio and pass out and do the same thing the next day. Um, yeah. So what's your typical day there? Like what time are you waking up? Like, and how long are you guys like, at, how long are you working with somebody in the studio? Yeah. I feel like we did like 10 to 12 hour days, um, you know, get up at like nine or 10 and, uh, get one of the interns at electrical audio to make us fancy coffee drinks and then just blast it. Uh, we even like cooked food there and stuff. So we didn't leave a whole lot. I mean, this was like pre pandemic too. So like, you know, we, I'm sure there are a lot of bands who would like go out at night and like get a beer or like go to a bar or restaurant or hang out with people or whatever, but we kind of just like stayed isolated before you had to. Um, mm-hmm. And just, you know, focused on that. There was a lot of, there was like movie watching and like, uh, playing Tony Hawk, uh, in between. Uh, but yeah, we were, I don't know. It was, it was pretty cool to be completely in it and not, not have to leave the studio. Yeah. And, uh, Shivy, you have a studio. So did you kind of, um, do any work on the post end after recording? You said you guys did some vocals at your studio. So did you do any like, you know, mastering or anything at the end? Uh, I added, I'm, I'm really sorry. He's having a really hard time. Uh, what did I do? I did some of the, like the sequencing stuff here and vocals. And I had my friend, uh, uh, Catherine who plays this band called third face with me. Uh, we had her add some guest vocals and she did them at, at my place and uh so not yeah nothing not a whole lot just some vocals and some of the funny like in between song noises and stuff uh yeah shivy was shivy was probably more involved than anyone with like the mixing and mastering stuff because that's like kind of what he does outside Mm -hmm. of this band is engineering stuff and he like you, you know he's like if you're Paying attention to his to Mark's iPhone, he's a uh, looks like he's soldering. soldering. Something. Yeah, I was going to bring that up uh, later. Yeah. <laughs> okay, but uh, he's hard at work. Yeah, um, yeah. We did we did some vocals, uh, some guest vocals, and then there's a lot of weird like uh, the in between song sounds and transitions and stuff. Shivy recorded at at his studio. Interesting. How um how often do you guys get referred to as like the predator like reference? Is it all the time? Uh, all the time, yeah. I mean, it's 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 in the name. So uh, was that deliberate? Yeah, big I fans of the movie. I think we saw, uh, or you know, Tyler and Shibby saw that name and thought it was cool. Uh, I don't think it was like something they necessarily like had the foresight to be like, yeah, we're going to be abandoned 10 years from now too. And this is still going to be our name. But like, I think it's a cool name. It's unique. And it definitely stands <laughs> out. Yeah. I saw um, a couple of the bands I followed locally here. Yashira um, and colonial wounds and some other bands locally here in the Florida area. They were sharing uh, 
they were sharing your stuff earlier on and that's how I kind of picked up on it. And so I, yeah, the name definitely stood out. That's why I checked it out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like it's, it's just a name to us. Like, you know, I think we get probably like some nerdy traffic that is not looking for a metal band stumble upon mm-hmm. us because of that. But like, I don't know. I'm kind of glad we have a, a different name, uh, even though it gets mi- mispronounced and misspelled all the time. Like, I think there was a point where we were like, should we change our name? I don't know. Like, no, nah, let's just stick with this. Um, and I'm glad we don't have a, like a typical like metal band name, you know, like no offense to anyone, but like, <laughs> you know, like I'm glad we're not called like oozing portal or whatever the mm, fuck, you know, or I like coffin uh, bomb or some shit. I don't know. Dude, that's a good one. <laughs> no, those are good. cool names too. Yeah. We have dibs on those by the way. So. Have you guys ever thought about expanding into other members or has that been tested before? You just kind of like the trio? Uh, no, I don't think, I mean, it'd be cool to like collaborate with people, but I think we're pretty set on the, the trifecta. Um, I think I had a dream one time where I wasn't playing bass and just doing vocals, but <laughs> uh, I think it's, it'll just be the three of us. Interesting. So Shibby, yeah, you're in, are you in your studio now? Are you at your, I'm in my bedroom. Okay. Uh, Soldering away. Yeah. What are you soldering? Uh, I'm built, I'm kind of building a spring reverb, uh, mixer. Is this a hobby of yours? Uh, it's, it's kind of my job. Uh, <laughs> I say pensively. Um, yeah, like uh, I've been doing the like uh, recording console repair for like four years now. Uh, therefore, I do like kind of that and everything associated with that. So it's like uh, patch bay wiring and snake wiring and console repair and rack gear repair and just everything that comes with that, uh, for, for my own studio and, uh, people around Nashville. And how did you stumble into that? Just with getting into recording and you just needed to repair your own stuff or, uh, it was kind of mostly through playing guitar. I would, uh, I am very cheap period. (laughs) <laughs> so, so everything I bought like to test to see if I liked it to play guitar would usually be broken just because I could afford it better uh, and then you know I had to figure out what was wrong with it to uh, get any use out of it um, so it was definitely a lot out of necessity but I guess I've always kind of uh, taken stuff apart and all that yeah Shivy yeah, was on a streak at one point. Well, I mean, I'm sure he still does this all the time, but like he would just like on tour whenever whatever city we'd be in, he would be on Craigslist looking for like, you know, a busted amp or like whatever piece of equipment just that had been sitting in someone's basement for years. Just like, hey, can we go pick this up? Like, hey, can we go stop by this dude's house and like 
I can grab this PV amp from the eighties that's covered in dust and cat piss because I think I can fix it. Um, How often do you succeed uh, at that, Jimmy? Uh, Fixing I it, I should say. I did a Craigslist run like uh, 20 minutes ago. <laughs> no, but, but how often are you successful at fixing all the things covered in cat piss in someone's basement? Oh, pretty, pretty good. Uh, I'll tell you what. Um, about, uh, I think like a week or so ago, I, uh, I saw an ad <laughs> for part of a Roland Jazz chorus for sale, like uh, on Craigslist. And they mentioned in the ad that the amp was like destroyed or, you know, like, you know, it just was not functioning to where they were just selling this part of it. Mm-hmm. And I hit him up and was like, Hey, what's up with the amp? Like, can I buy it? And, uh, he was like, yeah. So I bought it and I won't say for how much, but, uh, I had it working that night. How so often, the, how often is it just like easy, simple fixes like that? And people are just frustrated without knowing what it is that's wrong. Uh, I mean, there's, you know, you'd be surprised at how often, yeah, it's like this, you know, uh, 400 to thousand dollar piece of equipment that is taken down by a, you know, 50 cent component, but you know, it's, it's just the, the troubleshooting and the kind of, uh, knowing what you're looking at is where like repairs get expensive, uh, for, for like normal people. And this is Normals. nothing like yeah, normies. This is nothing you like went to school for or studied for. You kind of just like picked it up out of necessity in like a couple YouTube videos or something or some popular mechanics magazines. Yeah, it was very much like a uh, kind of a slow build. And then a, a slow build of just like reading and fit a lot of blowing shit up also. It definitely wasn't like... Oh, I know how to do this. Like I, there was years where I just like destroyed stuff that, that I'm now going back to. And I'm like, this is what I did. What an idiot. Uh, you know, stuff like that. Is your place, is your place or studio kind of like a little like uh graveyard slash hoarding spot of like old equipment? Is it just like packed what? up, packed on top what? of one thing? I think that. Because you're going on Craigslist runs around the country, picking up random broken equipment. I didn't know if you had like, you know, if you guys towed an extra trailer just for that. You're you're doing a lot of assumption right now. <laughs> I'm sure Shibby would be stoked if that was the case. Like he would come home from any like tour over two weeks with like, yeah, a fucking trailer full of shit. I think uh, it's Nashville though, like because of like the history of music there, I think has so many people with just like basements full of like amps and recording stuff that you know like someone passed away and they don't know what to do with or like they gave up on something so they just it's been sitting in a corner i feel like nashville is like great for someone like shibby who can just like picks up off on the curb alert craigslist and then find like you know whatever piece of equipment yeah yeah there's a lot of musicians or you know want to be musicians up there i would assume you know Oh, yeah. And how does that affect you guys? Because you guys don't live in Nashville, do you? Shibby. Well, I, I live in Birmingham. Uh, Shibby and, and Tyler, our drummer, live in Nashville. Okay. It's, I mean, it, it definitely, like, puts a damper on writing and practicing at times because I have to commute. But it's it's nothing crazy. We learn to make do. Like, I'm driving up there 
this weekend to practice. Yeah, how often and, is uh, that? I'm sorry, how often is that? Uh, it really just depends on like what we have going on. Um, like we we have a show August sixth. Um, it's uh, this band Withered. It's their record release show mm-hmm. in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. So I'll probably be going up there. Um, pretty often until then, uh, just to get back, back in the groove of things and get all oiled up for a live performance. Has that always been the circumstance for you guys, like living in separate cities or did you at one point, you know, I, I, uh, I'm, I moved, I'm from Birmingham and I moved there. I moved to Nashville in 2010 and, uh, lived there for about five years and then moved back to Birmingham, um, in 2015. So I was there like when the band kind of started, uh, the band started without me, actually. I think they'd only played like two shows, maybe two or three, uh, maybe a little more than that. I don't know. Uh, but they had another bass player for a little bit. And then I joined, um, when I moved to Nashville off Craigslist because uh, Shibby's is on Craigslist. Always. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was like, "Hey, my bass is broken," and then Shibby <laughs> bought my broken bass and fixed it, sold it for a thousand dollars, and then asked me to join the band. Nice, Shibby. What kind of dog do you have? Um, a uh, like a poodle terrier. Mm. His name's Gizmo. He's sixteen years old. Mm. Wow, I didn't know he was sixteen. And he has right now. He's kind of dealing with what we think is congenital congenital heart failure and a collapsed trachea sort of like feeding each well this uh, is taking a different turn now <laughs> you asked for it i know this is i know but dark as fuck. yeah i uh i feel i feel sorry for you i have an, an elder uh boxer myself she's 10 which is kind of in boxer world you know up there it's pretty old for a boxer yeah yeah so I dread, I dread all of that. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's mostly no, like this is extra miserable, just because there's really so far like nothing hardly we've been able to do to help him in the past like, for like five days or something like uh basically like Friday night, or so he started coughing like basically every other breath, like. So I'm talking, I'm talking like 24 seven, like, like since, like since Friday, I've probably slept like 15 hours. Jesus. I just, it's like not happening because I'm kind of like babysitting him. Uh, it sucks. And yeah. at the same time, there's like, there's like nothing I can do really to help him. But yeah. he's on five medications, tinctures. Uh, I got him some Sabre day. <laughs> oh, Fuck yeah, dude! But he's that, vibing out. Honestly, yeah, I don't know. He, he's having a hard time. Damn. Well, I'm sorry to hear that, Shibs. I love Gizmo. He's it's uh, been the homie. Yeah, I don't yeah. know Gizmo, well, but it is tough in general, probably to deal with firsthand. So I send my thoughts to you on that. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, coincidentally, you know, I'm a pessimist, so uh, whatever happens will happen, but uh. I straight up asked the doctor yesterday, is he dying? <laughs> and he said, uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Wow. Well, that's good news, at least. 
when you like, is this dog dying because I haven't slept because it sounds like he's dying. Yeah. Well, well, I did, I just didn't know if this was like absolutely the end or just kind of like a we're getting there. Sure. What? Sixteen years is a long time. Okay. Anyway. Yeah. And it, it's fucked up because like like everyone at the vet was like. Oh my god, that dog looks amazing! Oh, look at this puppy! Look at, <laughs> and then they like there was like uh, veterinarians looking at his chart, and we're like, "What? This dog is sixteen? What? Look at how cute he is! Wow!" <laughs> nice. Uh, well, maybe maybe, uh, maybe he just has a little, you know, a little doggy flu, and he'll just shake it off. That's what I'm really hoping. Uh, yeah, it's been it's been rough. So anyway, let's get off of that topic and let's, uh, let's, bright, let's brighten the room back up a little bit. No you offense. don't want to talk about dead dogs anymore or I mean, dying we, dogs? I mean, we could, but then I'll get off here and then I'll think about my dog dying and then I'll be in the dumps as well. So, uh, But with you tinkering around soldering with the reverb, um, my, my other – oh, Mark's iPhone went to no video. <laughs> um, with that going on, do you do – you, how much custom gear do you have on your rig? Is it mostly custom? Like have you have you like – twiddled with it yourself or do you buy anything and just use it out of the box? Uh, as far as amplifiers go, uh, I don't think there's anything that on my, uh, in my garage that I haven't touched. Um, as, and, and most of that is even not even necessarily something I bought broken, but just something I bought that is old enough to have needed to been restored. Um, so most all of the amplifiers have had something done to them by me. Um, there's plenty of pedals and stuff that I use that I just, you know, are just uh, there, you know. Um, but there, I guess there are a few things that I've built that are for me. Uh, but it's definitely not like, I'm definitely not like, oh, I can't use anything in that guitar center or whatever. You know? <laughs> I've, I've, I have multiple boss pedals and whatever, you know. Yeah. I didn't know if that kind of played into the sound of the band, you know, when I was talking about the sound, because you you are tinkering with things. I don't know if you were making yourself pedals or any kind of con- kind of thing, gizmo gadget to amplify sound. Yeah, I, I have. I I have right now. I've never played them live, but I have two amps that I kind of built for myself, um, kind of through quarantine. Uh out of out of boredom and uh and one of them is something that i bought back in like 2012 and blew up and then it's like well maybe one day i'll be able to fix that when i'm smart enough and i got smart enough so you think Uh, (laughs) and so i've been having a lot of fun uh figuring that out how to uh repurpose this thing uh yeah i i feel like you get a lot of uh, questions about gear, like uh, besides like Tyler's playing of the drums, I feel like Chibi's guitar sound is like the thing people are like always asking about. And it's really funny because like, yeah, there's not any like hyper modded or like custom built things. It's just kind of like a certain combination of stuff. Um, and, and same thing for his guitar. Like, I think it's the same guitar he's had for what, like 15 years, should be, or something like that. Like, yeah, it's like a $200 guitar that my dad and I painted with car paint. 
Uh, you nice. take one of the pickups out, right? Isn't it's like? Oh yeah, it used to have a bunch of pickups and knobs and stuff, and we took out everything and filled in the holes uh, to where it just has the one pickup and one knob. Uh, but it used to look really good, um, but now it you can kind of tell it is different than it was at one time. <laughs> do, you have, saying. do you have your eye on a, on a new guitar or are you just going to rock that one? I don't know. I, I have, I'm really picky about how bridges feel on my hands. Um, on like my palm hand. Uh, and I'll like see something every once in a while and be like, Oh, that looks kind of cool. And then, and then put my hand, hand or hands on it. And, uh, be like, oh, that would never work. Like, I, I don't, you know. Uh, I think, I think things look cool. Certainly, people make cars, but uh, I'm just kind of pensive to uh, buy one or whatever. Maybe you can build one. Maybe uh, a buddy of mine. Uh, it's funny doing all this work. There's a lot of times where, like, nice woodwork might come up like like maybe a like a custom rack for a recording console or whatever just like sometimes woodwork works its way into the um, electrical engineering side of things but I kind of hate woodwork um, so I have a friend named Ian who plays in a band called Waxed uh, who's really good he's like a his, his, he's like a carpenter by trade uh, and I've like, especially over quarantine, I've been like super like anytime I need anything wood related, I've just been pawning it off on him because I I'm just terrible at it. This is this is not happening, you know. I can't I can't use a ruler. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's good Ian's good with wood. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. You're good with soldering and you know, circuitry and all that other stuff. Leave the uh, definitely woodworking say should be as like the overall like technical engineer person in the band too, because like anytime like the van is having trouble, he'll, you know, pop the hood and fuck around with something and be like, Oh, it works now. We just have to like, uh, spray this into the fuel injector when we start the car and like cause this tiny explosion and the van will start until we get home. But, uh, how often do you have to do that? No, that that's a reference to a specific tour. And I, (laughs) it was a really, uh, I think we had to do that every. I don't think the van started on its own. Yeah, you got you to put the aerosol stuff into the carburetor or something like that. Yeah, it was like uh, it's a long story. It wasn't <laughs> our fault it, or, or my fault. There's a lot of things I'll take credit for as being my fault, but that's not one of them. <laughs> <laughs> I think there was a full week, like a, a, the last anything, week of does that. Does that have tour. anything to do with the Big Flame Five Thousand? Excuse me. Oh, that's uh, that's something else completely. I'm supposed uh, to ask you, should be about like Big a, Flame Five Thousand. <laughs> I've never heard of that. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about, man. Uh, sure, sure, that's sure. someone who looks like Shibby, uh, who's be slowly becoming yeah. an internet star, but we're not sure who they are. Big Flame Five Thousand. Um, Interesting. They I do thought work maybe with it was flames. Some... They, they work with flames and igniting, so. Interesting. I thought it might have to do with you know blowing the carburetors up in your van or something like that and it causing a big flame. But it's that was a different type of carburetor. Ah, uh, 
It's a different type of fuel, a different type of flame, and a different type of life. That was Nick from Frail Body. Okay. He wanted me to ask you that. <laughs> yeah, watch out for Big Flame Pop Blowing up soon on Instagram and TikTok. Big Flame Summer. Interesting. So what's next in what's next for the band? I mean, you got some shows coming up. Uh how is working with Relapse gonna change, you know, how the band functions? Are they gonna help you in any way as far as like shows and other promotions? And are you how long are you going to wait before you release like any other material outside of like a maybe not a Another LP, but like, you know, a single EP or anything like that? Um, I mean, the the relapse name like certainly helps with, you know, getting tours and booking stuff and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But, um, you know, they, they've been good to us as far as like putting the record out and helping with like press stuff and, and all that. Um, there's some stuff that... Uh, we've slowly been writing some stuff. Uh, I don't know when exactly, uh, that will see the light of day, but I'm hoping it won't be as long, uh, in between releases. Um, we're playing a show August 6th. We're playing a festival in Little Rock, uh, Arkansas towards the end of August. And then we're working on some tours for like, uh, later in the fall and earlier next year. So, Right now, we're kind of focused on touring uh, off of this new record. Um, I don't know. Maybe we'll record something later next year or early uh, 2023. Um, But yeah, we do intend to release some other stuff with Relapse. That's interesting. Um, Yeah. I I think the name, like, you know, Relapse has a built-in fan base worldwide, so... That's definitely helpful for our band. Yeah, um, that should help you get worldwide too as well. Uh, how has the reception been since the record has been out for a little bit? Um, how has the reception been without you know being able to play live and without having played live for so long as well? Like, how has it been you know from your position? It's been good. Yeah, I mean, I think the the record's been pretty well received. Like for people who have been fans of our band and, and new fans and critically it's been good. Um, it's weird for a band on our, our level to not tour because like, that's where we sell records, you know, like we've never been a band that like put something out and it's like, Oh, the record sold out on the internet in a week. Like we usually play shows and, you know, people who are familiar with the band buy records or we're like, we make new fans and they buy a record. Um, so it's been kind of weird for that, for sure. Like, um, cause yeah, we're, we're a band that tours pretty hard during normal times. Uh, but yeah, I, I mean, I think we're all happy with it. I think the label's happy with how, uh, the reception's been. Um, it'll be cool to, you know, over the next year or so starting to tour and, and get out there to see, cause you know, that's a totally different animal the yeah. live thing uh we're i'm pretty stoked to get back to that is the live show going to be uh more extravagant now that relapse is involved i don't think so no we're, we're kind of like a like a plug and play type band uh there's there's no theatrics there's no uh props there's 
I mean, I feel like if we had like some walkout music as a band, it'd probably be something stupid or hilarious or like dumb. The like, predator theme that was funny, not like something epic or you know. We're we're pretty like when it comes to playing. I think it's pretty. Uh, what you see is what you get. You know, we're not going to be wearing any cool costumes or anything anytime soon. Sick, sick. Who should we be listening to? Uh, who who do you think that, you know we should be checking out? Um, should we play drums in a band that put out a record uh, this year called Third Face? It's kind of like weird hardcore stuff. Um, that Short songs, I would assume, right? What's that? Short songs, I would assume. Yes, short short songs. Uh, could play the whole record in a set. Um, I don't know. Um, I feel like I haven't been listening to a ton of new music this year. What have you uh, been? Uh, what have you been getting into then? Like older? Uh, yeah, like been listening to like older hip hop and weird electronic music. Um, trying to think of something that's came out this past year. I, th- I think uh, seems like there's been a lot of weird, like kind of throwback death metal that's come out in the past year. But I feel like that just ends up on like a workout playlist for me, as opposed to like something I'm putting on, like when I'm just listening to music on headphones or something. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Uh, I don't know. New, I think the new Perturbator record's cool. That's electronic music, though. Uh, <laughs> what about you, Shivy? I've also been kind of behind on things uh, and just listening to tapes and stuff. Uh, uh, you prefer tapes, like cassette tapes? Or I just... Uh, I don't even necessarily prefer them, but uh, I had a van that had a tape player and I definitely, I didn't have a, like a CD player until I was like 14. So, uh, I had a ton of cassettes as kid as a, being a kid and, uh, and my first car had a cassette player. So it was almost just like, Oh, I'm, I'm going to have tapes because you know, <laughs> this is what I, what I have to work with. Uh, it's definitely not like, I think they sound good or anything. I just, it just turned into a, a light collection kind of thing. Um, uh, where I still always hunting uh, just like anything that looks cool or that I know what it is and would love to have on tape or, you know, whatever. How many is uh, in this light collection? I don't know. I'm looking at them. Uh, it's maybe like 100, 200, something. Interesting. Uh, and, and how do you decide which, which ones to get on tape? Uh, it, well, like I'll, I guess, like you could treat it. Uh, I often treat it like if I see something that I've heard of that is, you know, really cheap versus like it's more of like an investment. If it's like, oh, I've heard this record is good, but it's a, it's a, you know, it's twelve inches, like a twelve inch vinyl, and it's eighteen dollars. But here's the same record on a tape for like two dollars. Like, uh, since I don't know if I'm gonna like it, I'm gonna buy it on tape, and you know, less of a. Say again? It's less of a gamble, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and they take up less space. And uh, I, I like records too, but it's it's I, I'm at a point where like uh, 
I won't buy a record unless I like know I like it. It's unless it just looks really cool or something. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just. Uh, Do you have CDs as well? Yeah, I've, I honestly, uh, definitely have the most CDs uh, out of all of those. Uh, there's this record store in Tennessee called McKay's that uh, has a uh, a section that is like bargain and or scratched. But like their definition of scratched is like very, uh, you know, very moderate little scores or whatever. uh, Lightware. To where it's in place to just like anything you've ever heard of, but like just like never uh, actually heard. It's like, oh, this is a quarter. Uh, I'm going to check out the like the throwing muses or, you know, uh, this uh, Tori Amos record I've never heard or, you know. Why is there always Tori Amos records in bargain bins? Like, because there were she, she made a lot of them in the nineties and eighties and stuff like that. They were just mass producing that stuff. Yeah. I, that's that's the assumption I have. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan, but it's it's <laughs> it's really weird how dependably you can find her CDs and tapes. Tori Amos is like it's like volatile in people's music collections. You know, like. Who's, who's? <laughs> yeah, I don't know if anyone really like. I don't know. I don't. I think she had bargain stuff back in the day too. No offense. So it's been. Yeah, it's just it's just been. That's her marketing ploy. You know, you get it out there enough in the cheaper zones, and you just constantly flood the market. You know, repetition. You eventually will pick one up and buy one. Yeah, I think my assumption was that back when she got big, it was like uh the music industry was sort of like looking at all the stuff that was getting popular and it's like we can't find the trend very much let's just like throw a bunch of money at like whatever seems sort of promising and just like hope we get lucky and it was like let's press like 10 million of the cd because we might need them or you know yeah well you know this looks promising you know uh let's go hard with this and then it maybe didn't turn out so we're uh cds are there's a certain VHS that's like, I think it's, um, fuck, what is it? Jerry Maguire? Yeah. Oh, there's, there's like an insane surplus of Jerry Maguire VHS tapes. That was a so big movie. Like, that. like, you're guaranteed to find a Jerry Maguire VHS at like any used media store that sells VHS tapes. Yeah. yeah. So maybe it's like that. Maybe. Yeah, it's like that principle of whatever industry maybe not understanding their market and just like <laughs> we're going to throw everything on Jerry. Yeah. I mean, to their, to their, to, to nod your head though, that movie did probably very well. They probably didn't lose a lot of money oh, with all those sure VHSs. Did. Sure did well. Yeah. Um, yeah. You sound like you have a very eclectic collection. If you're having Tori Amos and then you're getting, you know, tapes and, how do you decipher which one? I guess we already asked that. You get the the tape is cheapest, and then you just kind of like wing it. I'm just thinking out they, loud. They 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 travel better on tour too. Like I mean, we, we definitely like hit up record stores and media stores and shit like that on tour. And like, it's a pain in the ass to like come home and and ride around with like you know ten LPs as opposed to ten cassette tapes. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. True. <laughs> Yeah, I only buy records on tour if it's like something that's like been on my, you know, my list or, you know, my mental 
whatever something I've actually been hunting for. It's very rare that I'll just be like, oh yeah, this is uh, this is kind of cool. Yeah, I want to take this in the van for three weeks. <laughs> True. How often do you guys make it a point to visit record stores and you know while on tour? Um, I mean, I don't think it's like because of you know what we just said. Like, I don't think we're like hunting them down per se. Uh, because we usually are like broke asses and don't want to travel with vinyl for weeks and weeks. But like, I don't know. It's on the list of places. Like when you roll up to a venue and you have time to kill, it's like, okay, where is, where's the good vegan food spot? Where's the record store? Where's the movie theater? Where's the arcade? Like it's, it's in the list of places that if it's nearby, we'll hit up for sure. Interesting. You just mentioned vegan. So how many members of the band are, uh, are vegan? Uh, I think just shibby, but you know, we, we all skew towards that mm-hmm. vegan vegetarian food. We, we definitely like to eat food. Like that's a huge thing with us. Like I feel like there are bands who just like slam subway or McDonald's or whatever every day. Uh, we are Taco Bell fans, but I think to like keep up the morale on tour, we try to eat, we try to eat good shit. You know, we, yeah. we, we, we seek out good vegan food and bon mis and vegan bakeries and shit like that. Cause I don't know if you're on tour for like a month or a month and a half and just like eating terrible fast food the whole time. It, it fucks you up mentally and physically for sure. Yeah. Um, should be so, you're the vegan in the band, and I always seem to uh, have, like, there, there's a lot more members of the scene that are vegan than I would ever imagine. And the I think they are a big percentage of the people I've had on this podcast, oddly enough. So I always have these conversations with, you know, uh, with like-minded people like yourself. What would be the dish that would turn me on, like, to eating, like, decent vegan food? Like, what's your go-to dish to show someone, like, what vegan food tastes like now? I don't know. That's a pretty good question. Uh, the impossible thing comes to mind just because that's such a, uh, such a go-to of people who, uh, eat everything. It's like, Oh, but what would I have with my burger? Oh, you know, uh, and I, and as I've been vegan, like, like 11 years or something. And, uh, the, you know, the impossible burger has been around for like two or three now. And I get it, you know, semi regularly from like white castle or whatever. Uh, but it's still like, and maybe it's just cause I'm out of the loop cause it's been a while, but, uh, I still get like kind of nervous every time I eat one cause <laughs> it seems on point to me. You know what I mean? <laughs> Is this me? Uh, how would you know though if it tastes on point if you hadn't had a real crystal burger in eleven years? You know to that. Well, yeah, or you know, it's like you know, I'm just going off my memory here, right. but it. Uh, no, they definitely pump more chemicals and stuff to activate your brain <laughs> way more than they have back in eleven years from here. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm, and like, uh, <laughs> it it, may, it might not have been like this everywhere, but like Nashville in particular with vegan food like 10 or 12 years ago was like so different like uh i don't know it's a pretty good question though as far as like what would make someone 
consider conversion or whatever. That, that, that's not the question. That's not really the question. That's the what would be a dish that would turn people on to maybe thinking about it, not like necessarily converting them. I feel like anything that that like simulates like is like a mock meat or like simulates the non-vegan version of it, you know, mm-hmm. like, I don't know, like he's saying about like an impossible burger or like beyond meat, like I've had, you know, like maybe like a Chinese or like Thai dish that has like fake meat in it. I've had shit like that. That's like way better tasting than, you know, actual chicken, mm-hmm. for, for example, like, yeah, that's a good like, giving someone like a, like sesame tofu and, and fried rice. I feel like that could convert somebody who, you know, or, or is like a good modern uh, depiction of like what vegan food is now. Um, there's some things that just like shouldn't exist in, in the vegan world that like try to imitate the meat version. Like I've, I've definitely had like a, I've had some really good vegan Philly cheesesteaks, but I've also had like a vegan Philly cheesesteak that was like, just tasted like Play-Doh and like fucking slime and made me want to vomit. <laughs> yeah. Like, like on the subject of, of the impossible, I'm definitely not like saying it's like my favorite thing because yeah, like I, I'm really not into like the food that is like trying to be other food and I don't eat it very often. Really? But, more, so it's yeah, more of the ingredients like and spices kind of guy. In there. Sorry. More like an ingredients uh, and spices kind of guy. Yeah, yeah. You know, there's. Uh, I don't really cook. My girlfriend is like a, a chef, and is also vegan. Well, that helps. Uh, so that helps, but like, <laughs> she's one of these people that almost will like never have the same meal twice in a way. To where I'll be like, "Wow, that was amazing," and but it never comes back in a way. To where it's like, "What was that one thing?" Like, you know. Uh, yeah, she kills it. Yeah, it's pretty, pretty tight. Yeah, that seems like an awesome time. Uh, definitely, if you're trying to be a vegan and not eat the same, you know, thing all the time, having someone that has the culinary experience and also being vegan is a help. Um, let's end this podcast on the uh, artwork for the lurch. Where did the artwork come from, and what does it represent? Because it is very eye-catching and very memorable. That is another reason why I checked out the uh, the album, just because, you know, the name yeah. and the artwork. Uh, our friend Brandon Gertz did the artwork. Uh, he's actually originally from Florida, I believe. And we, that's when we met him there. Um, but we've done some stuff with him in the past. We did a split with this band called Forn. Uh, he did the artwork for that. He's done... Uh, a couple of shirt designs for us. Um, we just really like his style. I feel like his style, um, he, he, he seems like a, he has a similar style in the art world that we have in the music world. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. We just, we gave him the music and we gave him the lyrics for the lurch and we're just like, do your thing. And uh, I think it's a pretty good match for, the music um he, he kind of knocked it out of the park uh to us um i think it's fitting i don't know like i couldn't tell you exactly what's happening on the cover but <laughs> it feels like it fits and makes sense so 
Yeah, well, we're it, super stoked about that. It definitely pops. That's uh, oh, yeah. that's one thing. I think the another one that popped to me earlier this year was God's Hate. God's Hate, uh, their album, really popped to me oh, with yeah. the artwork. That's and then super, you know, super colorful and eye-catching, for yeah. sure. Well, guys, on the, wanna, uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Oh, sorry. Nope, go ahead, Shivy. I was going to say, I was going to tell a small Brandon story that I like telling people. Uh, the first time we ever like worked with him was for that split. Uh, I think Cam mentioned with that band called Born Bjorn from uh, Boston. And when we were uh, in Boston one time, we met with an artist friend of theirs to discuss maybe having them do the art. And and I'm not like shitting on this person at all because their art was awesome but it was just uh, sort of a funny comment on us as a band like we met this person and uh, they were super professional and like had like a real ass portfolio and we had like a biz- business dinner to talk about art and uh, stuff you know and it, was, it just felt very proper and like grown up so to speak uh and, the, and yeah, their art was incredible and everything. Not at all knocking anything about them. But uh, so we we met and had a great time or whatever. And then uh, a few weeks later, we were in Florida. And we were meeting up with Brandon to decide like whether or not. Uh, or, you know, just to see who, who we would go with. And we met him at a show, just one of the shows. And I just remember him being sort of like the exact opposite of that person in a lot of ways in the sense that he was like very quiet and reserved, had no portfolio. <laughs> and basically it was just like, yeah, I, I do your art. Just like, <laughs> like, like very nonchalant and like, uh, understated, uh, just in a way that a- afterward, like without question, we all kind of like looked at each other and we're like, yeah, it's, it's gotta be that heck. Like, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he, he uh, seemed like yeah, we were familiar. Yeah, he seemed yeah, like, like and we were familiar with his work. Okay, yeah, I was gonna say, had you seen some of his stuff before, or he just was like, "Hey, yeah, I can, I can draw you something." Like you know, we had seen stuff online, but yeah, like whereas the other person showed up with a literal portfolio and was like pulling pieces out at the table, mm-hmm. Brandon, and it was just kind of like very much like there, just like. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, uh, I could do it <laughs> in a way that, to me, like, let me know that he was, like, the right guy, yeah. so to speak. Well, I don't know. He, he just, he, you could almost say he looked confident in a way I appreciated. Kept a DIY instead of, like, you know, semi-corporate. Know. Yeah. Well, it turned out to be the right choice, obviously, because, like I, I said, know, it's you know. very eye-catching. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Well, I appreciate your time, and um, I hope you know you guys can get down here on tour. I would like to, you know, see it live, see see the lurch be played live, and some other songs. Um, you know, if you can make it to North Florida, that'd be cool. But if not, I'll probably catch you soon. Um, again, thanks for spending the time with me on the Van Flip here. Cool. Thanks for having us, man. It was a pleasure, and I'm sure we'll be through Florida uh, in the not too distant future. Awesome. Well, Shibby. Uh, Kahan, you have a great, great evening, bro. Thanks, man. Take it easy. Take care. Yeah. You too. Take it easy.
Hello, Tom May here, host of Future Friday. I've spent the last 15 years on the road with my band, The Menzingers, where I've met all kinds of wild and fascinating people. So I started a podcast. On Future Friday, I talk to fellow musicians about the moments that made them, their passions outside of music, and the curiosities that tie us all together. I've also talked to the likes of UFO researchers, magicians, soldiers, and documentary filmmakers, and I'm constantly searching for folks that can shape and change our view of the world. You can check out Future Friday wherever you like.